The New Jersey Devils prepare for a big Game 7 against the New York Rangers. The Edmonton Oilers advance to the second round thanks to their lethal power play and the strength of Leon Dreisaitl. And the Carolina Hurricanes prepare for Round 2 after ousting the New York Islanders in a tough six-game series. We've got all that and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts to get the latest episodes as they drop. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On New Jersey Devils, Trey Matthews. And Trey, big game coming up Monday night, season on the line, Game 7, Devils, New York Rangers. What is the mood around this team as they head into this pressure-packed Game 7? You know, I think uh, Eric Holla has been saying it best, which is uh, backs have been against the wall. And obviously a lot of people had the doubt were writing off the Devils throughout the course of the year, but the Devils didn't let that phase them. So uh, Eric Holla has been a great veteran leader in the lo- in the locker room for New Jersey Devils. And towards the end of it, he's been getting uh, a lot of scoring uh, chances and scoring a lot of goals as a result. So he's just saying like, look, it doesn't matter what the history says about the New York Rangers. It, you just got to focus on what's in the locker room right now. And why not? Let's prove a lot of people wrong. In the words of Nico Keisher, when I spoke to him uh, not too long ago, he said, like, we, we just focus on what's in our locker room. And um, why not? Let's prove everyone wrong. Yeah. And look, we, we couldn't talk about this series without mentioning Akira Schmid. Talk to me about him because he has just been spectacular in this series. Uh, and, you know, really sort of spurred this team's turnaround. Absolutely. So I think you speak for a lot of people, Gil, when you say he's been spectacular in the series. Well, the thing is, Devils fans have known how spectacular he has been because during the course of the regular season, Mackenzie Blackwood has been injured not once, but twice and out for an extended period of time. So Akira Schmidt was sort of thrusted back into the into the role to help out Vitek Vancek. Now, here's the thing. Akira Schmidt uh, got a few starts last year, but they didn't go well at all. In fact, his stats were abysmal, and our best goalie last year was Nico Dawes. But focusing on this year, Akira Schmidt has surprised me. He surprised a lot of people. And throughout the course of the year, he's just been making grade-A saves after grade-A saves. And uh, the fact that he's been so reliable and that the New Jersey Devils can really turn to him when, they're, when they have their backs against the walls or if they're in a situation and they need some sort of uh, spark, Akira Schmidt has been that and more. And he's such a nice guy, too. Like, Sometimes he admits he does get a little nervous in big game situations, but he's 22 years of age. He's not supposed to even be in this situation. It was supposed to be Mackenzie Blackwood, but he blew uh, his chances uh, come the end of the year. But Akira Schmidt, he's just been phenomenal in this series. And if the Devils hold on to win game seven, he is my MVP for this series just because the Devils were down 0-2. They needed uh, a lot of stops. And Akira Schmidt was able to do that in game three. Game four, he was able to improve. And then game five, um, you know, it, it's just been a whirlwind because game five, he was able to get a shutout, his first career postseason shutout. And thus the Devils led three games to two. Obviously the last game didn't go as planned and he was subbed out for Vitek Vancek. But at the end of the day, I think Lindy Ruff is going to turn to Akira Schmidt 
to be the starter for game seven because he's been so vital in this series. And you, when, when you just look at things that have gone right for New Jersey Devils in this series or some positive light, you have to look at Akira Schmidt. So once again, when the series is over, Akira Schmidt is my MVP just because of what he's been able to do in net for New Jersey Devils and just turn this season around and give the Devils some new life, especially in that pivotal game three. You know, this is a young Devils team, not a lot of players with extensive playoff experience. Who has really taken to the playoff pressure the best among these young players in your mind? I would have to go with Jack Hughes because at one point uh, the Devils scored only five goals throughout the course of the playoffs. Like this was like in game three at this point. So the Devils had five goals in the series total and Jack Hughes was responsible for three fifths of them. So it hasn't been perfect for Jack Hughes. And obviously Nico Keisher has been creating good looks for himself. And uh, I love that he loves to get his teammates involved, but I need Nico Keisher to shoot the puck a little bit more and, and convert it to goals because I can't remember the last time that, Nico Heischer scored a goal and it leaks over into the regular season towards the end of it, because it's been a while since Nico Heischer uh, has lit the lamp. And then for someone like Jesper Brad, I don't know where he's been, but he looks a little flustered out there. So the young guys, they're starting, they got a rude welcoming to the playoffs. Let's just be completely honest. And it hasn't been perfect, but at the same time, you rely on people like Andre Pilat. You rely on people like Eric Halla. You rely even on someone like Curtis Lazar, who scored in the previous game. You rely on those veteran pieces who have been there before. And that's what I think has been so vital in this series for the Devils is that when you see their overall contribution, it's not just like scoring. It, it, it's, it's also defense. It's leadership. It's, goal, it's goalie uh, contribution, whatever the case might be. it's all across the board in order to get a collective team win. And I think the biggest surprise in terms of young players, aside from Akira Schmidt is Kevin ball, because Kevin ball is the epitome of just being a stay at home defenseman kind of person for the New Jersey devils. And he's been just like handling the Rangers. Like they're a bunch of rag dolls out there because he's like six foot six. They try to get under his skin. Doesn't work. He's keeping offensive possessions alive. He's, uh, contributing a lot on the defensive side of things. He's redirecting shots, blocking shots, whatever the case might be. He's playing that physical brand of hockey on the defensive side of things for the Devils. And we get so caught up in offensive-minded defensemen like Dougie Hamilton or Ryan Graves at times, even one of our uh, highly anticipated prospects in Luke Hughes. But Kevin Ball, especially with the pairing of him and Damon Severson, has been the most consistent defensive pairing throughout the course of the playoffs for New Jersey Devils. So – I think if you look at young guys, yeah, I could just I could just say Jack Hughes and solely Jack Hughes, but I'd be foolish not to mention Kevin Ball. So Kevin Ball and Jack Hughes in terms of young guys, they have surprised me the most and they have adjusted well to playoff hockey. But for the most part, it's been the veteran players that the Devils have been relying on to get them consistent contribution. All right, game seven at home. Home teams have struggled a little bit in this series, to say the least. What are the keys for the Devils? Well, the key is don't get unnecessary penalties and also just play your brand of hockey. So throughout throughout the course of the year, Devils love to play an east-west style of hockey. They like to get out and run. They like to make those stretch passes. They like to do this. They like to do that. They And sometimes the Rangers have been able to clog up those lanes. But the one thing that I like that the Devils did in period number one is that they were tracking the puck on the back check. They attack in the defensive end, and they were all over the puck. 
And so even though the final moments of that period didn't exactly go the way of the New Jersey Devils because Chris Kreider did score on the power play, that first period did belong to the New Jersey Devils. So you need to stick to what you know in order to come out victorious in Game 7. And if it's not working, you got to adapt, something that the Devils have been doing throughout the course of the series because the Rangers haven't made it easy. But at the same time, when the Rangers tried to run east-west, the only line that was consistently giving the Devils trouble when the Rangers tried to run that style of hockey was the kid line in Heidel, in uh, Lafreniere, in Kako. That was the only line that can really keep up with such a young team like the Devils when, when the Rangers tried to do that, when it was pointed out during the course of the ESPN broadcast. So for the Devils, stick to your game, limit the turnovers, and also don't get unnecessary penalties because you don't want to put the Rangers on the man advantage. All right, y'all. It should be a thrilling game, and uh, good luck to the Devils in that one. Trey, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? You can find me on social media at TreyMatt4, T-R-E-Y-M-A-T-T, and the number four. And you can find Locked on Devils wherever you get your podcast from. We're available on YouTube and all podcast streaming service. And you can follow the show's Twitter page at Locked on Devils. All right, Trey, thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by a product I literally use every day, AG1 by Athletic Greens. Maybe you're like me, you want to be healthy and eat well, but it's easier said than done. That's no longer the case with AG1. With just one delicious scoop of AG1 in a glass of water each day, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all these things. And it costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. That's a athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Gil Martin here. My pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Oilers and a co-host here on Locked On NHL during the week as well. (laughs) Brett Holden and Brett, good times in Edmonton right now. I don't know if I've ever seen, in recent years anyway, a power play as lethal as the Oilers were in round one against the Kings. It, it was truly dominant. And you, The funny thing is heading into the playoffs is everyone goes, oh, how effective will the power play be if heading into the playoffs? We all know playoffs are called different. There's not that many power plays in the playoffs. Well, as we've seen through all of these series, there's a lot of penalties called in the playoffs, and that has so far benefited the Edmonton Oilers. And it's funny, we mentioned or we talk about a lot how ever since Tyson Berry was moved at the deadline, it has become Evan Bouchard's power play to quarterback. And since then, he has absolutely taken the reins and flew that sleigh all the way through on Christmas night for the Edmonton Oilers. It has been a, a, a seamless transition for the Oilers, and he has done immensely better in the offensive zone, defensive zone, moving the puck, being more physical. And it's the way the Edmonton Oilers have now constructed their defense with Matthias Ekholm. It's crazy how that can all lead back to the power play for the Edmonton Oilers. 
Yeah, I, we got to talk a little Leon Dreisaitl. Oh, Six yeah. games, seven goals, 11 points. Three of those seven goals on the power play. What can't this guy do? It's That's a great question. A lot of people would say play in his own end. But if you truly do watch him in his own end, he's very... I, I watch a lot of soccer. I'm a big soccer guy. And Messi is a guy who's known for, especially early on in the games, he'll kind of sit and watch and examine how everything unfolds before it even unfolds. And that's kind of like Leon Dreisaitl. He'll kind of sit back in a play and it seems like he's out of it, not really paying a lot of attention. And then all of a sudden he'll jump, make an interception, and it's a, a rush the other way for the Edmonton Oilers. That is a very underrated thing for Leon on Dreisaitl, and it has led to a lot of goals for the Edmonton Oilers, a lot of three-on-one rushes, a lot of times that the Edmonton Oilers have just found Leon Dreisaitl in his office right next to the, the net. And it, It's funny, sometimes you see him sitting in that little spot and the puck gets to him, and as soon as you know that puck gets, it is in the back of the net. You start celebrating before he's even shot the puck. It is automatic. It is... Uh, a lot of people have not given him the flowers that he truly does deserve. Everybody says he's a great NHLer, but he is top five, if not top three, if not top two right now. Yeah, very impressive. Look, we've talked a little Evan Bouchard, a little Connor McDavid, and a lot of Leon Dreisaitl. Give me an unsung hero, a guy who's not making headlines, but really was a difference maker so far in round one. And there's a lot of people that now can this this can be tossed around to. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the guy who scored a couple of goals in one game, but since then it seems like he's quiet. But he does the things off the score sheet, right? And that's Nick Bugstead. Scored those two goals in game five for the Edmonton Oilers. Looked absolutely unbelievable on that second line. Ended up getting a promotion. Again, was one of those subtle trade deadline acquisitions that the Edmonton Oilers made. And he has been a, a fantastic addition for the Oilers. Winning face-offs in key moments in his own end. Getting, obviously, when you win a face-off, you get possession. So getting possession in key moments of the game. Playing again on that shorthanded team that has become drastically better since the trade deadline. And sometimes on this series or in this series as well against the LA Kings he has revolutionized the way the Edmonton Oilers have played in their bottom six in their own end and then again he ended up getting promoted in game three playing on the second line with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman and uh, Vander Kane at times too and they went out and proved why he should have been promoted. So I'd say Nick Bukestad, there's a couple others that can be tossed in there, like a clean Costin who scored a bunch of key goals for the Oilers in, in this uh, uh, series as well. You can toss a whole bunch of them really in there. It's, it's, it, that has been the key for the Oilers too, is just how drastic all these players have been playing in this series. You know, when you talk about the Edmonton Oilers, goaltending is always a concern. They got through round one okay with a little little couple of hiccups here and there. Uh, what do you foresee in round two? How do they handle the goaltending situation? I think Stuart Skinner will be fine. 
Stuart Skinner did not play the way that he did down the stretch for the Edmonton Oilers and how good he really, again, an all-star and a guy who may win the Calder Trophy this year for the Edmonton Oilers. He has been stolen the job from Jack Campbell for the Edmonton Oilers while it was up for grabs. And he played some of the best hockey in the NHL in the last month of the season. So he's going to be fine. But it's just a matter of him finding his game, and and I, it's all on him, really. Again, I think he'll be fine. There's not much that you can really say because he's he's looked all right in the games. He makes the first save, but then it's the second save that's really been the issue for him. Sometimes it seems like he's almost scared after the first save, or maybe he makes a first save, and then he sees what's happening, and then he reacts. Or the puck comes out from behind the net, he sees what's going on, and then he reacts. Sometimes it looks like he's a little scared, but still, he's going to be fine. I, I, I have trust in Sue. All right. So what are the keys in round two for the Oilers to get to the Western Conference final? The first thing will be discipline. Last series, they got very, very into their own head. Some of the calls were very suspect for sure. And at times, even Leon Dreisaitl said, we don't know what the standard is. So that's fair, but still you can't let the game get into the hands of the referees. And that starts with discipline. So that's going to be the first one. The second one will be the goaltending for the Edmonton Oilers. As we mentioned, it it has to be better. And those key saves, like we saw in game four by Jack Campbell on the breakaway that probably saved their season If they can get timely saves and the Oilers can convert those big saves into goals, they're going to be just fine. So the second one will be goaltending, which obviously also turns into offense. And the third thing for the Edmonton Oilers is get Connor McDavid going. Obviously, Leon Dreisaitl is on his game. He's one of the best playoff performers, as we can see by the numbers, who is the second best points per game player in playoff history, not Yager, not Lemieux, you can go on. It is Leon Dreisaitl behind Wayne Gretzky. So obviously, Leon Dreisaitl is fine. If they can get Connor McDavid going next to Leon Dreisaitl, I feel bad for the Vegas Golden Knights. I feel bad for the Dallas Stars. I feel bad for whoever's going to win this absolutely insane Game 7 between the Kraken and the Avalanche. It is going to be insane. All right, well... Brett, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? You can find me personally at The Real Holden 40. That's on everything. I'm talking about Twitter. I'm talking about Instagram. I think my Tinder used to be that, but I think I had to change it. But you don't care about me, you care about the Oilers. And you can find Locked On Oilers at Locked On Oilers on Twitter, just how it sounds. And you can find us on YouTube as well. We're going at Locked On Oilers too. We're going under a little bit of a uh, change. So we're going to have a whole bunch of new jerseys that we didn't have before. So there's a little hint. (laughs) All right, something to look forward to. Brett, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. As always, appreciate you, Gil. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Carolina Hurricanes, Jared Ellis. And uh, Jared, a pretty exciting time to be a Hurricanes fan. They have advanced to the second round of the playoffs. And, I mean, what is the mood around the team after winning in the first round? I think it's definitely a 
sigh of relief almost because you know so many injuries that the hurricanes are dealing with and it just kept piling up piling up piling up so for them to be able to oust the islanders in the second round or excuse me in the first round i definitely feel it's like all right let's go we got it freddie anderson he's back and ready to go i know we'll talk about him in a second and then Another really fun thing just for Hurricanes fans in general, especially longtime Hurricanes fans, is that not only have they made the playoffs for the first five years of Rod Brennamore's coaching tenure, they've also advanced to the sec- at least the second round in each of those first five years. And you talk to a Hurricanes fan 10 years ago, they're going to laugh in your face at that. Yeah, definitely uh, a big step forward for the team and the franchise, you, you, you mentioned the injuries. Obviously, you know, some of the offensive players, the, the top offensive players on this team are not going to be coming back for the rest of the playoffs. How does this team try to address that? And who has to step up and compensate for the loss of those key players? Yeah, so obviously no Max Pacioretty, no Andre Sveshnikov, no Tavo Teravina. Those are all really, really big losses. We've talked about it before. Pacioretty, you know, he was supposed to bring offense in, and then, you know, he tore his Achilles the first time. He was essentially going to be the trade deadline pickup with his return, came back, tore it again, and then Svech, you know, tore his ACL. Tavo broke his hand and it's all just really rough. Jack Drury, thankfully, is looking to be good to go for game one. I know he's not as big of a piece as those guys, but just to be able to get someone back in the lineup is going to be really good. And as far as guys that need to step up, there's obviously you know, the obvious guys like Sebastian Ajo. He had a really good uh, first round. I believe it was three goals, four assists. And you know another one, and Brent Burns as well. But what I'm looking at here to kind of make up for the lack of offensive players is what we saw during the regular season, a lot of the offense coming from the blue line. That was something that the Hurricanes sometimes got on my nerves with that because I'm like, come on, Fords, this is your job. Let's go. Uh, But now that's what we're going to need. And in that first round, the only defenseman to score a goal out of all of them, funny enough, was Jacob Slavin, the best defensive defenseman in the NHL, was the only one to score a goal. So we're going to need guys like Brent Burns. Yeah, he racked up a bunch of assists in that first-round series. Going to need him putting some goals or pucks in the back of that. Brady Shea, guy who had a really, really underrated season. He wasn't grabbing the headlines like Eric Carlson and Dougie Hamilton. He's another guy. You're going to want to be seeing that from him. Shane Gossespierre, you know, when he came from Arizona, breathed a lot of life into the power play for the Hurricanes. Those are going to be guys that are going to need to step it up big time. And of course, the forward group as a whole, of course. Now, you mentioned the goaltending. Antti Ranta started the first five games. Frederick Anderson was either ill and or injured at various times, depending on which Mm -hmm. quote you believe. He comes back, plays very well in game six. What is the plan heading into round two? Who do you think plays and, and why? So earlier today, uh, uh, just before we hopped on this call, it was announced yeah, at uh, the media availability that they would be alternating goalies for the next series. Uh, they didn't you know, confirm it. It just says definitely in consideration, but kind of figured that's going to go. Uh, Frederick Anderson, whenever he came in, 
he was supposed to be the number one guy and game six was his playoff debut for the hurricanes he hadn't played a playoff game in over 900 days crazy to think about um but i think that's fine i kind of expected that to be the case anyway heading into the playoffs before freddie uh had his issues so i'm not really surprised uh i do feel that alternating isn't a guarantee i do feel like saying game one freddie just has a monster game or auntie ronta has a monster game i think yeah it's a good shot that they get the start in game two as well because you are going to want to roll with the hot set of hands but i don't necessarily see a guy you know whether it's freddie whether it's auntie ronta heck whether it's Piotr kochekov if one of the other guys goes down I don't necessarily see them getting five starts in a row again like Auntie Ranta did unless they are just going on a stupid monster tear. Talk to me about special teams because they played a big role in the round one win over the Islanders. How important will they be for this team, especially since you have so many goal scorers out of the lineup right now? I think it's going to be, you know, as important as it was in that first round series, if not more important. The penalty kill was outstanding. Uh, we've talked about that the other day, how good it was. But I think the power play is really going to have to step it up. It was kind of hot and cold in that first uh, in that first round series. There are games you know, where they had multiple power play goals, and there was goal, games where they had nothing, or the only power play goal came off New York scoring on themselves. So that's going to be something that really has to step it up because it you're down so many offensive guys for five on five. You're going to need every advantage you can get. And the competition is only going to get tougher from here, whether it be New Jersey or New York, we'll find that out later. And then they get past that, you know, whoever it may be then. And then if you get to the final, you know, it's just going to get tougher and tougher and they have to be firing on all cylinders. That's going to be really, really important. Do you have a preference as to who you face in the next round? Oh, gosh, this is something I have been thinking about a lot. Initially, it was definitely the Devils uh, with their lack of playoff experience, but they have gotten really hot. They forced a game seven. So a hot team gets hot in the playoffs. Anything can happen. We saw it with the Hurricanes a few years ago. Anything can happen. But I would still probably say the Devils simply because of how the Rangers have had the Hurricanes number so often this season, last season. It just feels like that is a team where they just struggle to get past, kind of like how Boston was in you know uh, 2019 and 2020, how the Devils were way back in the early 2000s. You know, right. It just feels like they had, the Rangers are that team that they struggle with in the playoffs, and I feel the Devils, they're not going to – roll over and be an easy team to knock out. It's not going to be a sweep or anything like that. But I do feel that that may be the better matchup for the Hurricanes right now with the way their roster is looking. All right, Jared, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, of course. You can find the show on whatever stream platform you're listening to this one on, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever. It's going to be on all of those. You can also find it on YouTube at Locked On Hurricanes. And you can find the show on Twitter at LO underscore Hurricanes and myself on Twitter at Jared Ellis underscore 96. All right, Jared. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Gil.
All right, everyone, thanks for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow. We'll be back here on the Locked On NHL podcast talking about Game 7 between the Devils and the Rangers and all things Stanley Cup playoffs as Round 1 concludes and we get ready for Round 2. I am Gil Martin. I want to thank my guests on today's show. I want to thank Brett Holden of Locked On Oilers, Trey Matthews of Locked On Devils, and Jared Ellis of Locked On Carolina Hurricanes. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe, and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL Podcast.